Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Zach. As you know, this is Enter the Netherrealm Podcast, uh, where I talk about all things Mortal Kombat related, be it the story, the lore, the characters, the games themselves, etc., etc. So, speaking of which, Mortal Kombat has had a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in their history, right? Well, the other day, I was watching a YouTube video about a dude who was talking about his favorite board games from when he was a kid, right? And during that thought, during that, I was thinking about the show, what I was going to do next, what I was going to record next, etc., etc., and a thought hit me. Mortal Kombat has had, you know, a ton of, like, video games. They had a card game. I think they had two card games. They've had movies. They've had a TV show. I found myself thinking... I wonder if Mortal Kombat ever had a board game. So, I decided to look into it, and according to the internet, there is a Mortal Kombat board game. Kind of. So, in my research into the Mortal Kombat board game, I found a bunch of results for Mortal Kombat The Miniatures Game that is, or was, or whatever the fuck, going to be released... Uh, via a Kickstarter, right? I was like, oh, that's cool. I found a Reddit post that said, here's a bunch of pictures of the uh, freaking, what are they called? The miniatures and what what they will look like. Kickstarter is coming later this year. Oh, cool. Post made in early 2020. I never found a result for this uh, Kickstarter. I never saw that it came out. I never saw that it failed or happened. So I'm like, well, maybe it just happened and I just missed it. Maybe somehow this whole thing completely went under my radar, right? I continue to look into it. Oh, here we go. BoardGameGeek.com. 7.1 out of 10. Mortal Kombat, the miniatures board game. Okay, cool. So here it is. Maybe I'll buy it and look into it. I click the buy a copy button. No copies available. No listings found. There is no uh, how to review or not not how you a hot review not found. How to play not found. Latest video not found. But okay, and here we go. There and then there's a bunch of comments saying any news when it's coming out, any news when the Kickstarter will release, blah blah blah. And what confuses me is unless seven point one is just the standard rating, but it says that there was 13 ratings. From who? Like, it, it, the game didn't come out, from what I can tell. So, what I'm asking is this. Mortal Kombat The Miniatures Game. It was apparently going to be on a Kickstarter. Maybe the Kickstarter happened, maybe it didn't. I don't know. I can't find any actual evidence of the Kickstarter happening, of when it will happen, of why it didn't happen, if it didn't, whatever came in the game, etc., etc. So what I'm asking to you is, what the fuck happened? Was there ever a statement? Did the Kickstarter happen but come out and fail? I don't know. I'm ve- But I'm very, very curious because I should have had the thought of, that'd be a cool thing to talk about on the show, is if Mortal Kombat had a board game. I would absolutely, if it was available, I probably would have bought it immediately unless it was like $500. I would have bought it immediately and been like, all right, cool, let's play this thing a little bit and see how it is, but no. So yeah, just if, if you are listening to me right now and you know what the hell happened, let me know. <laughs> so, that being said, that leads very smoothly into today's topic, which is Race Wars! So today, I will be talking about the various different races and species of the Mortal Kombat realms. The creatures and beings that we all know and love. The weird fucking aliens, the demon monsters, the mutants, etc., etc. There, Throughout the realms, there are a ton of di- very interesting and very different designs, backstories, races, etc. for these fucking weirdos. All these different races... They started off as just one really cool character. So, to all of you Mortal Kombat savants out there, Mortal Kombat, yeah, Mortal Kombat savants out there, I'm aware 
that the races include things like Adenians, humans, elder gods, vampires, etc. Right? In the wiki and whatever, those are technically considered the, the different races of Mortal Kombat. But I will not be discussing those today, because that is boring, and I want to talk about monsters. So, and I don't just want to talk about monsters. I want to look at the various different monsters, the various different races, break them down, talk about them a little bit, and figure out which one of them would win in my personal, ever-so-humble, and researched opinion would win a full-out race war. If all if we took all these different beings, all these different races, and put them on a little battlefield simulator, who would win? So, that's what we're going to talk about today. What we're going to start off with is... Well, we're going to start off with the Dark Cottons, and this is... It's going to be a synopsis of who they are, their specific advantages, and then their specific weaknesses. And that's going to be the three for all the different races moving forward, being synopsis, advantages, and weaknesses. And once again, I'm not covering the really humanoid ones, because that's boring. And I'm worried there's a couple that I'm going to leave out just because they don't matter, or they're not canon, or whatever, right? So, but these are, like, the main ones. You'll get what I'm giving at when I go through the list. So, right now, we're going to be starting with the Tarkatan. Notable, notable members of the Tarkatan include Baraka, Kind of Molina, and Carbrack. Don't know Carbrack? Don't worry about it. So, their synopsis. The Tarkatan are most often depicted as unintelligent, bloodthirsty brutes. They just serve whoever's in charge and just go around killing and eating people. However, more recently, most specifically in MKX, or MK11 rather, and a little bit in MKX, they've been depicted as more intelligent, more of like a realistic race of people, right? Their most distinctive physical traits are their long, sharp teeth, like almost needle-like teeth. Their mouths protruding, not protruding, but their mouths like not having lips and just just bearing all for the world to see being covered in spikes from freaking shoulder to head to toe and the most notable spike of them all being their extendable and retractable arm blades that come out of their forearms which are badass very very easily identifiable race of creatures and also a race of people who is just created for battle right Baraka is the leader of this nomadic species who mostly populate Outworld's wastelands. However, their origins are uh, their origins are allegedly originally from the Nether Realm. Hey, that's this podcast. And apparently they migrated to Outworld at some point. The Tarkatan po- possess a love for battle and serve whoever happens to be in command, be it Shao Kahn, the Deadly Alliance. They would have served Kotal Kahn if he wasn't a dick, you know? In the main lore, all the Tarkatan males would join Shao Kahn's army once they came of age, when he was in charge, obviously, and survived the, quote, Ritual of Blood, which maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Also, fun fact, the first time we ever saw pure blood uh, Tarkatan females was in Mortal Kombat 11, with that uh, one lady that Jade was trying to convince not to, you know, rat them out. So, their advantages. The Tarkatan are a fearsome animalistic, aggressive, and armed-from-birth people. Literally. While being seen as a mostly nomad species, the Tarkatan are also fiercely loyal and proud, even to the death, be it to themselves or to whoever it is they're serving. A Tarkatan is rarely, rarely seen fleeing the battlefield, even when the tide of battle turns against them. They will slash, gnash, punch, and bite their way to the very bitter end. Due to their exceptional numbers, they are often employed as mercenaries or indentured armies. The cotton might be the most numerous of all the races aside from humans. And these numbers, combined with their natural abilities, make them a force to be reckoned with. Now, as for their weaknesses, despite their bla- their numbers, their blades, and their fearsome natures, the Tarkatans are not the most durable or skilled warriors. A case of the soul is willing, but the body is weak. 
They can fight hard, but not for long. Tarkatan durability is matched only by tissue paper and toothpicks. With the exception of the highest ranking generals and experienced veterans, a Tarkatan will often lose a one-on-one encounter, and they truly only thrive in fights where they have the numbers advantage. This can be seen in MK9, MKX, MK11, basically every Mortal Kombat game. The Tarkatan do not do well in fair fights. Next up, we've got the Shokan. Notable members of the Shokan being Goro, Shiva, Kintaro, and King Gorbak. Quick synopsis. For millennia, the Shokan loyally served Outworld's Khan, Shao Khan. One of their kind would always serve in some high capacity within the Khan's empire. They would usually face competition with the centaurs for this role, but they maintained it for generations because the centaurs are a bunch of bitches. Goro would be chosen to serve as the Outworlds champion in the Earthrealm Mortal Kombat tournaments. He was the one to kill Earthrealm's greatest champion at the time, the Great Kung Lao, and was the secret weapon of Outworld in their quest to take over the Earthrealm. Once Liu Kang killed Prince Goro, allegedly, in the event of Mortal Kombat 1, Kintaro would then immediately slide in and take his place as the Outworld right-hand man and forcer champion. But he was inevitably also defeated by Liu Kang. After this was when Shao Kahn got a little pissed and started to favor the centaurs over the Shokan. Not much of an upgrade. In the events immediately preceding Mortal Kombat Daily Alliance, Princess Katana would be instrumental in forming an alliance with the armies of the Shokan, thus keeping their loyalty to both Outworld after, you know, uh, Shao Kahn's alleged death in Deadly Alliance, and also keeping them loyal to, or making them loyal to Adenia. There are two different lineages of the Shokan, lineages of the Shokan, the Draco, that are, or the, possibly the Draco, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. The Draco that are considered the upper class, which consists of the likes of Goro, Shiva, King Gorbak, and many more. Then you have the Targrar, the Tigrar, that are considered the lower class, which has the likes of Kintaro and, and that, that that's about it. Which I've never, I don't quite understand their little class system there, but hey, maybe it's just racism, you know. So, advantages. The Shokan are probably the closest thing the Mortal Kombat has to Vikings. They conquer, they are raised in battle, they rule with an iron fist. Their leaders are not chosen simply by legacy or election, but by strength of body, mind, and will. To the Shokan, strength is paramount, but that is not the end-all, be-all. The Shokan are noble, strong-willed, intelligent, and damn tough. And, of course, their forearms give them several advantages on the field of combat, that cannot be replicated by any other race other than the Naknata, kind of, but we'll get there. So, their weaknesses. The Shokan lack many real downsides. Their leadership is seasoned and carefully curated. Their bodies are just made for battle. Their minds are strong. I can only think of two real possible disadvantages. One, lack of flexibility. Their bodies are pretty much solid muscle. Nea Shokan has a flabby stomach or scrawny arms. However, this means that they are bulky and generally pretty slow, with the exception of, the, of their leaping ability. And sometimes in the battlefield, speed equals life. And if just because you can punch hard, if someone can dodge it and frickin' stab you in the frickin' carotid arteries, you're out. And number two, which is, without doubt, the Shokan's greatest uh, weakness of them all, hubris. Based off of everything that I have said, the Shokan are known to be extremely, extremely confident and somewhat arrogant. Their natural ability and gifts make them as cocky as Johnny Cage, and that often leads to their downfalls. Next up, the Centaur. Notable members being Motaro. The Centaurs are a very similar race to the Centaur legend, which their bodies, agilities, behaviors, agilities, Their bodies, agility, behaviors, and even their ferocity is based on. Motaro is the only known member of the Centaur race that matters. Long ago, they served Emperor Shao Kahn as one of his extermination squads, and with this and their actions, gained a significant favor above the Shokan for a very short time. 
At one point, they even proclaimed themselves as the so-called greatest of all species in Outworld. In Mortal Kombat Armageddon, the centaur race was apparently transformed into minotaurs, or as I like to call them, satyrs, upon uh, a curse being put on them by the Shokans, making them even more fucking lame. <laughs> Their advantages? None. They're stupid. They're sure they're kind of fast. They got the four legs, but, you know, have you ever tried to fight a horse? If you can, as long as they don't kick you in the face, you can freaking stab them in the ribs real good. Their stupid laser tails are stupid, and they all suck, and they get their asses kicked every time that are on screen. The centaurs have no advantages. Weaknesses. They're stupid fucking horses with the bodies of cyborg mustangs, but the dicks of my little ponies. They've got their asses kicked constantly by just the Shokan, and they would freaking not even stand a chance against the Shokan and a bunch of other people. The, the centaurs suck. They lose. Moving on. Next up, the Saurian. Notable members being Reptile and the two Chameleons. The Saurians are reptilian humanoids who originated in Earthrealm, having evolved from the dinosaurs. Kind of like the... I just realized that's kind of like the immortal... Not the immortal. The Super Mario Brothers movie where you had Dino-Hatton in Manhattan. The Saurians are Goombas. Who would have thought? Anyway... Sitting on two legs and having bigger brains than their ancestors, they have the potential for more complex thought. They can also appear to alter their form to become invisible or look human. The Sarians were originally in Earth Realm, where the civilization thrived countless years ago. However, 65 million years ago, what a coincidence, their age came to an end when a war raged amongst the Elder Gods. The Sarians managed to flee the devastation and were divided between the ones who left another to another realm known as Zatera, where they attempted to rebuild their civilization, which, for a, for a time, began to thrive once more. And the ones who decided to take refuge in the Hollow Earth instead and endured underground in Earth Realm without interference. Eventually, the Emperor of Outworld, known as Shao Kahn, oh, where, did he, where did we hear of him before, invaded the realm of Zatera, and swiftly conquered it, making it part of Earthrealm. As many other realms before it, the lands of, of the Zaterans began to merge with Shao Kahn's own kingdom, while the raptors were driven to extinction, except for a few members of their kind. Among the survivors were Reptile and Chameleon. The first of the two decided to serve Shao Kahn, while the latter intended to get revenge for the destruction of her kind, and went into hiding to prepare. Maybe not hiding, but just stayed out of Shao Kahn's way. Advantages. They can turn invisible, which is one of the greatest advantages that you could possibly ask for on a battlefield. Your opponent can't hit what they can't see, and they can't defend against what they don't know is coming. Another great advantage the Saurians carry is their ascetic excretions, a.k.a. spit. Be it to blind, burn, or kill their opponents, this naturally produced chemical weapon is naturally concealed within their throats and gives them a fantastic advantage in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Whether it's steel, flesh, or scales, the Saurian Acid is more than capable of dramatically harming any foe. Now, that being said, I don't think that Chameleon or Chameleon, either one, actually has the Acid Spit. Now, I'm thinking about it. I think it's just, uh, I mean, I know that other Saurians had it, but I know Reptile had it, obviously. So, that's an interesting question. Did Chameleon not have, I'm just going to say Chameleon, uh, not have the Acid Spit? Interesting thought. If not, why not? I guess also why is she and I guess he uh, the only ones that are transparent of the Saurians. So lots of questions for you to consider. Weakness. Their greatest weakness is their most obvious one. Numbers. At a maximum, at a maximum possible fighting strength of three, the Saurians' best chance of surviving this war would be to not have to participate. Next up, Vioni. Notable members being Draman and Moloch. They most often appear as large, monstrous creatures possessing sharp claws, wild hair, and usually long horns growing from the sides of their heads, though they appear to be mostly human in shape. Despite this being the case, there are some that are even more ape-like with blurry and glowing yellow eyes, like you see in the background of Goro's stage. You ever notice that? I bet you did. They are well known for most, mostly for their extreme savagery and cruelty, 
and take pleasure in tormenting the souls of those unfortunate enough to enter the nether realm. <gasps> it's the show. Oni are said to roam the wastelands of the nether realm, always on the search for souls to torment for their own sick pleasures. Those that dwelled on Shang Tsung's island appeared to demonstrate cannibalism by eating their dead. In Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks, there was a hierarchy, hierarchy? of Onis, the larger and more powerful members of the Oni being known as Oni Warlords. And I guess the smaller ones just being little shithead Onis, you know? But, that being said, there's also, you know, they're not just the weird green apes, there's also the likes of Dramen, who just looks like a flayed man. So, the Onis, and also Quan Chi at one point in time used to be an Oni, but that got retconned. Uh, so the, the Oni have a lot of variety in their looks. Like, the Tarkatan, they just look like a fucking Tarkatan, you know? The Shokan, yeah, they got the Draco in, in the Tigrar, but, you know, still. Yeah, so these guys, they got a lot of advantage, they've got a lot of variety, which, advantages. The Oni are numerous and merciless. And they are very accustomed to pain, both inflicting and receiving due to their native dwelling being the nether realm. While maybe not the most populous of the races, they only have fair numbers as well as a fair variety, such as what I just mentioned before. We have the bigger, like the medium bigger ones, like Moloch, the little ones, the warlords, Draman. And they look nothing alike. Draman doesn't look anything like any of those guys. And then Moloch looks different from the little ones, etc. Et Moloch being a hulking beast, Draman just resembling a uh, skinned man, and as we said, as I said before, come in all different shapes and sizes. Some fucking twelve feet tall, fifteen feet tall, and this diversity might just be their greatest strength. Maybe all those little posters and stuff at your workplace inside your cubicle, maybe those were onto something. So as for weaknesses, while they can be as large as the as the Shokan, as numerous as the Tarkatan, the Oni are significantly dumber than both. The only prefer, prefer a more, quote, direct approach, being see guy, kill guy. And that's about it. In addition, none of them are particularly well-trained, if trained at all, choosing to simply flail their flail at their opponents in swing slash throw rocks and crude clubs. It's like just fighting a bunch of drunk homeless men, you know? So, which, not necessarily a bad thing, but hey. So next up, the chitin. Notable, what are the Ketan you ask? Well, notable members being Devora. So there you go. That's, exactly what, a, that's what a Chitin is. The Chitin are a sentient race of colonial insect-like humanoids from the island realm of Arnyek, a realm that was conquered by Outworld under Shao Kahn's rule, like fucking most of them. I just had a thought. So do all of these, did all of these realms get Mortal Kombat tournaments? Or was, no, 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 it had, it had to have just been Earth Realm because, like the Katana thing, she's only 5,000 years, well I guess if she's 10,000, 5,000, however many thousand years old, I guess if they have a tournament every 100 years, that's possible, so. But yeah, I'm pretty sure, now I'm thinking about it, I don't think it's ever been mentioned, and correct me if I'm wrong, leave a comment, send an email, whatever. Enter the nether realm at gmail.com. Uh, did the other realms get Mortal Kombat tournaments? Or was it just Earth Realm? Huh. Something to think about. So, moving on. The chitin grow from a form of maggot-like larvae inside the victim's body, bodies, emerging with wings in a humanoid form from them as if they were cocoon, Sometimes within seconds of implementation. Implementation? Implantation. The stronger the host of the chitin maggots, the stronger the resulting chitin will be. With, as an example, chitin emerging from one of the Elder Gods being nigh unstoppable. That would be scary. And remember what I was talking about? More Kombat 12, Predictions, Hopes, and Fears? That's a fucking idea. What if a freaking, what if a, a Devora came out, or a chitin came out of Cetrion or Fujin or some shit? Oof. Spooky to think about. A grown female chitin possesses a highly toxic blood and the ability to excrete very potent 
toxins from their bodies through their hands or mouths. Apparently, Devorah uh, is very special in this regard because men can't do that, apparently. To the point of allowing it to drip from their extremities without harming themselves. Despite their hive mind mentality, insightfulness and loyalties are known to be uncommon traits within the species. They're also known to be cannibalistic, as most bugs are, with a strong taste for flesh of their own kind. I think that's just something everyone assumes with either fish or insects is, yeah, they don't mind eating each other, it's fine. At one point, the most notable member of the race, being Devora, was actually considered the first minister of Kotal Khan, which is basically like the right-hand woman in that situation. Beforehand, and apparently she also worked for and betrayed Melina, I don't know how long that alliance lasted, though. Before and even during these reigns, however, the chitin were seen as disgusting, fearsome, and nasty, nasty-ass creatures. Which, I mean, yeah, they're fucking gross, weird bugs, so that's not surprising. Next up, the Nakanada. The most notable member of the race being the Collector. And the newest race, uh, I believe. Yeah, the newest race to the Mortal Kombat world, because Devora was MKX. So, quick synopsis. The Naknada are a race of six-armed, goblin-like creatures that were conquered and enslaved by Shao Kahn, like so fucking many others. They served the Emperor and built the Colosseum and Khan's palace, among many other things. They were often infamous for their insatiable greed and amoral perception of wealth, causing many outworlders to despise them and to justify their status as slaves. If you want money so damn bad, well, guess what? You can't have it, shithead. I guess that's the thought. A good number of them, however, were later granted status during the reign of Shao Kahn as tribute collectors and slavers with his blessing. I gotta admit, they kind of had it coming. Not the Naknada, but like the, the outworlders were like, oh, fucking... Greedy pieces of shit. They, they can just be slaves and serve us. And then Shao Kahn shows up and is like, Hey, y'all are alright. You can be slavers and like slave owners and the ones who collect all the money. They're like, Oh, what was that, motherfucker? What was that, huh? Huh? Poke your eyes out with my fucking sex arms. Anyway, one very notable trait of the Naknada is that they do not have names in the traditional sense. Instead, taking on the names of their jobs. I have some stuff to say about that later. Like the Shokan, the Naknada possess multiple sets of arms, three in total, along with three-fingered hands with a single thumb. They possess a standard set of arms similar to a human being, just coming out the sides of their chest, a second set located next to the shoulder blades, and a third, somewhat vestigial set located on their lower backs. Unlike the Shokan, which are famous for having four arms, the Naknada lack the heavy build and muscle mass to make a murderous use of their additional limbs and are typically seen using them to handle weapons and items more than fighting in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Advantages The Naknada are known for two things, greed and cunning. While greed serves little use on the battlefield, cunning can give you a considerable advantage. Even if the Naknada were unable to fight, kill, and conquer, they may still be able to play def defense an attempt to excuse themselves from combat altogether, or at least find ways to keep themselves out of the crosshairs, which could allow them to strike strategically and keep some sort of edge. Their increased numbers of arms also give them the ability to wield multiple weapons at once, as stated previously, which could definitely be an advantage in a war where the majority of combat will be taking place in close quarters with melee. Weaknesses? Well... They're very feeble, greedy, and lacking any true courage. Nagdada are a race made for deception, extortion, and underhanded, underhanded tactics. In a military kind of mortal combat eh, situation, they have very few notable upsides in the first place. And those are the races that I'm considering for this race war. If I missed a very obvious one, like, oh my god, why didn't you talk about the fucking schlackadonkadoos? Or whatever, right? then I'm sorry. Again, I didn't talk about the very, very humanoid ones. Like, cause, like, humans, I'm pretty sure, outnumber everyone else. And we have guns and all that shit. So, you know, freaking just... We, like, we could just nuke the battlefield and win. So that'd be boring. And again, 
you know, they, what about the Edenians? They're just fucking humans that live a long time, right? So I'm just, yeah, these are the ones that I'm considering for this race war. Now, after all those considerations, after all that thought and discussion, who wins? Who would win this race war? All those things being considered, the result seems obvious. The Shokan have the numbers, the durability, the experience, the leadership, their history of conquest and warfare. So with all that being said, whoever the winner of this race war is simple. The Shokan punch everyone's asses in and are the ultimate non-human race in all the realms. Realms, right? Well, no, not really, actually. You see, earlier on, I meant, when I mentioned the Chitin, I said that they only have Devora on their side, really. Which is not true. Not entirely true, at least. You see, the Chitin are an insect-like parasitic race. They start off as disgusting winged larvae, and they can implement implant themselves into living biological creatures and use their bodies as cocoons to hatch fully grown functioning chitin in up to a few seconds and not just humans but you know ticks giant spiders giant wasps that even if it wasn't a human the chitin and devora especially specifically would be able to spawn their own army using the battlefield as a breeding ground in a full-on battlefield, the Chitin would be able to swarm and force themselves into their victims, both killing their opponents and increasing their own numbers. They could, Devora could stand back and just let them go and just watch them pop. Even outside of just the impregnation and chest bursting, the Chitin are one of the only races in this situation, actually the only race in this particular scenario, that have the ability to fly. So that gives them advantage over the skies. They have fully controllable stingers that can punch through metal and also inject you with poison. And they have fucking hard-ass exoskeletons that you can't just punch through. Or if you want to punch through it, you gotta punch real damn hard. A, stingle, a single chitin sting could cripple a shokan. Two or three of them could just throw a centaur into the air. Between their ability to kill their opponents while simultaneously increasing their numbers like zombies... Their control of the air, poison, the size of the larva, because have you ever tried to fist fight a swarm of wasps? I hate to say, but I think the chitin would take this war. And I don't think it would be that close of a battle. The Tarkatan wouldn't be able to fight them off. The Naknata, as we mentioned before, they wouldn't really have much defense. The centaurs lack the mobility to fight something so small and agile. The Shokan would be able to stand up the best to the humanoids and giant insect ones, but they would still not be able to fight effectively against the larva. And as mentioned before, the host, it's kind of like the xenomorphs, the host determines just how strong the chitin comes out as. So say that they just freaking implanted themselves in a bunch of Shokan, just those freaking Shokan-fueled chitin might be able to just fucking take out everybody. So, so yeah, as much as I really do hate to say it, I think the Chitin would win this race war. Alright, so now all that being said, what do you think? Do you think I'm right? Do you agree? Did I miss an extreme advantage that would have absolutely given the Saurians the fucking win if I had just remembered this one detail? Or some shit like that. Let me know. Leave a comment down below. Like, give me a heads up, send me an email, whatever the fuck, right? But yeah, now I was going through this, and I honestly, originally it was pretty much just going to be between the Shokan, the Tarkatan, and the Centaurs. But I started to look back, and I was like, well, no, the, the, there's the new ones and all that. And then when I started to read more into the Chitin, I was like, oh, shit, they would win, wouldn't they? Because, like, even in just in, in the games from what we've seen, Devora herself is a fucking force to be reckoned with so you get a whole bunch of of devoras maybe even have them hatch from freaking beings twice their actual strength then come out even stronger than that yeah 
So, all that being said, now it's time to talk about me. Me being my personal thoughts and opinions on the fucking uh, different races. So, in terms of all the different races, I mean, they're all pretty good, right? There are a couple that I just feel like they didn't need to be races, you know? Like, the one that freaking pricked my ass the most was uh, Ferator, right? From MKX. They just did not need to be a member of a race, you know? Like, they were perfectly fine just being a big, weird ape guy and a little girl. But then it's like, oh no, they're a member of a secret, crazy, symbiotic race where when Tor dies, Farah becomes a big, hulking monster and then she gets a little shoulder monkey. And then the cycle content. No, you didn't need that. Not everyone cool needs to have an entire planet of them. It makes them less special. It worked with the Shokan, because the Shokan are fucking cool. It worked with the Tarkatans, because it's pretty much just Baraka and his shitheads. It worked with the with Reptile, because it's like, hey, here's the one. And then there's also Ch- Chameleon. But here's the one of them. There used to be more, but there's now there's only the one, right? There doesn't need... Not everyone who's cool and unique needs to be a member of a race. Ugh. But I just want to get that, that little rant out, because... I'm going to talk about three things, which is my favorite group, my least favorite group, and my favorite individual-specific character. So, favorite group. If you weren't able to tell from my extreme favoritism and how much I was blowing them, my favorite group is the Shokan. You thought I was going to say Kite Ninja. No, no, no. Was the Shokan. The Shokan are fucking badass. They look badass, they have the coolest culture, and I'm a total sucker for the forearm thing. There are people who's like, fucking forearms? That's so lame and just, that's so, like, there are people who think it's like, oh, that's too much, like, it's too edgy. That's too much like an edgelord thing, right? Trying too hard to be cool. Nah, 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 fuck you if you think that. The forearms are fucking awesome. I love Goro, I love Kentaro, I love Shiva, I love King Gorbak. I love all them all. And I honestly think they might work the best as, even if their implementation was a little bit sloppy, it's like, Later on, they're like, okay, how do we explain the multiple, that there was a Shokan that breathed fire, and then there was also a Shokan that was a Tiger Man, right? Like, like that kind of stuff, it's always sloppy whenever they do it. They're like, uh, sure, this is how it happened, whatever. They, they don't care, right? They don't care. But they're fucking awesome. Their culture, despite being a race of, you know, killers, brutes, and armies, military, they're still intelligent, proud, and regal with all of their named characters being unique and interesting in their own rights. Goro is very distinct from Shiva, who is distinct from Kintaro, who is distinct from pretty much all other named Shokan. Which is great, because one of the biggest problems with you know, in fiction in general is a lot of monsters or aliens in fiction, the first character is basically just... The, they are the embodiment of their race... And every other character, or any other character, who comes from that race is basically just a spin-off, a rip-off, or a watered-down version of the first one. However, in terms of uh, the Shokan, I think Mortal Kombat did a fantastic job with them. And like, like another the perfect example in the same universe is the fucking Centaurs. Name one, give me the name of one other Centaur. I'm waiting. Okay? You weren't able to think of one without Googling it. Got it. Okay, now name one that looks different. Name one that acts different. Name another one we've even seen and named, you know? And I could say the same with Baraka, but... Yeah, it's, it's fine with Baraka. Uh, Bar- you know what I'm saying. You know, I will say the same with Baraka. As much as I love Baraka, which we're getting to that... Uh, like he, like he, there's been no other named Tarkatan other than Melina, and even then she's like a half Tarkatan thing, and so that's it's different. But you get what I'm saying. So, all that being said, the Shokan definitely my favorite race, definitely my favorite species, whatever the hell you want to call them. Right? They're cool. They're badass. They've got a cool culture. They've got cool people. Everything about them is just fucking cool. And Goro is like, I'm. 
going to be honest, I think that Goro is a big part of the reason that people looked at Street Fighter and then looked at Mortal Kombat and went, holy crap, Mortal Kombat is cool. Like, yeah, sure, Street Fighter has Blanca, but look at that giant four-armed monster dude. He's so cool. You know? I think Goro played a significant role in Mortal Kombat's success. So, my least favorite group. And this one's a really easy one. The Nakanata. Maybe it's just because they're new. Or maybe it's because I just fucking hate fighting the Collector. But the Nakanata just seem like the lamest of all the fantastical races, you know? All the monstrous ones. One thing I really don't like about them is the... They don't have traditional team names. They're called by their occupation. So if you walked onto a Nakanata farm and went, Hey, farmer! Would every single person on the property poke up their head and go, Huh? Who, me? What? And what about the babies? Are they just assigned a job at birth? Or are you just son of prostitute and ditch digger? And what if you change jobs? What if some shit happens and you go from being a slaver to being a freaking collector? Do you just like, okay, I am now collector. I was slaver. I am now collector. Do they have, do you have to like go down to the fucking little knock not a DMV? It's like, hey, uh, so I got a new job recently. I need to update the name on my car. And they're like, okay, you got to fill out the, the form MK17. And then we'll get it to us and we'll get you your new license in six to nine uh, cycles. Or whatever the fuck, right? Also... With the two arms on their back thing, it works well and looks good for the collector, the character in MK11, because he's grasping his little pouch of shit and he reaches into it and blah, 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 right? But what about all the other members that knock nada? Would a baker or a cat wrangler really need an extra pair of 16-inch long arms freaking bolted onto their upper back? It just, they're so kind of lame and they don't make a lot of sense. And they're kind of dumb. Now, allow me to make this statement and make this very, very clear. I like The Collector. I think that The Collector is a good character. I like him. He's a slimy shit who works in the setting, and he plays well, and he makes sense. However, the Naknata as a full race of people... That's a no for me, dog. I just don't vibe with it. I just, nah. So all that being said, it's time for the penultimate finale, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. My favorite individual character. Now, I love the Shokan so much. I think Goro is one of the coolest fucking monsters in the history of Mortal Kombat. Uh, not just Mortal Kombat, but fiction. However, somewhat contradicting what I mentioned in episode one, like the very first episode of this show. My favorite individual, monstrous, non-human character in Mortal Kombat is Baraka. I I can't entirely put my finger on it, but I love Baraka. Maybe it's because there's more games where you can play him in, so like he's been able to worm his way into my heart a little more than Garo has on a personal level. He was my main in MK11 by a long shot. There was nobody I was half as good with than Baraka in MK11. And he was one of the, my favorite characters in MK9. And I was just so fucking disappointed when he was not in MKX. He was damn... I love him. I love Baraka. He's kind of stupid, but I kind of love him. I love how brutish and animalistic he is, while also not just completely being a mindless monster. He's loyal to his pack, a strong and powerful leader, whose power level fluctuates per game. Eh. And in MK11, it's kind of like what they did for the Stormtroopers in uh, frickin' Force Awakens, where they took the kind of dumb, mindless horde of bad guys and really actually gave them a fucking personality, and it was good. That's what they did in MK11. They got a ton of play and respect, and I was a huge fan of it. Like I mentioned before, in MK11, the Tarkatan got more play and respect than fucking Kotal Khan did. And Kotal Khan is objectively fucking cooler than Baraka. Like, just if you were to freaking, you know, just go up to random people on the street and be like, okay, here is 
Kotal Khan and here is Baraka. Just just show them the pictures, right? It's like, who do you think is cooler, A or B? The the one with the teeth or the freaking green guy? Most people would probably say the green guy because he's like a weird, crazy Aztec warrior. And he's just, I don't know. But I love I love Baraka. I love him so much. And I love I think that they're gotten her awesome. Again, as much as I'm blowing them and talking about how much how great they are, the Shokan are objectively better. And I just again, as a full race, I like the Shokan more. Baraka, I would love just as much if he was just Baraka and there was no Katarkatans. If he was just Demon Man with arm blades, I think I would love him just as much as I currently do. So, there you have it. The various different races of Mortal Kombat pitted in a war against each other. Who I think would win. Do you agree with me? I hope so. And then my favorite race, characters, and least favorite race. How about you? How do you feel? Do you agree with like how I think that shit would go down? Do you agree that the Shokan are the coolest ones? Let me know. I will say... uh. There are a lot of races in Mortal Kombat that I do, I do like, but I just feel like they didn't really mace mace. I didn't feel like they really fit with the theme of this list that I was going. You know, like let, let's do it just real quick. I'm just gonna go down the list, and this is like you know, the official topic is over. You may now leave. I'll turn the lights off. Turn it back on. All right, here we go. So I'm just gonna go down the race of the. The, all the named races here, according to MortalCombat.Fandom.com, uh, list of Mortal Kombat species, which some of these I don't even agree with, but we'll go over them, right? So, and we're just going to go with the canon ones, because I agree with that. Let's not talk about the ones that don't exist, right? Uh, artificial constructs. You might be like, what the hell is that? Uh, artificial constructs appear to be garrus. Garrus is an artificial construct. He was somebody who was created by someone else. He doesn't have a planet. He doesn't have a race. He is just someone who was made. Basically a glorified robot, right? Centurion. Those are the centaurs. You know? Uh, Chaos Realmer. Which is another one of those ones where they just kind of fall under, you know... They really just kind of fall under the superhumanoid because it's like... I'm a human, but I don't have a face or whatever. Which ha- Or I'm a human, but I have a st- fucking stupid haircut, you know? Which I love Havoc, but it's, they're just funky looking humans, you know? Cy- uh, Cryomancer. I don't feel like that's a that's a race. That's just a, a thing he... Whatever. Uh, cyborg. Again, not, a, not really a species or a race. Just kind of people that were made. Like, they, they were humans and they got turned into cyborgs. Demons, which I considered putting in here, but... I was like, oh, demons, I'll be a good one. But it turns out that most of the demons are fucking humanoids. Demons are include like Quan Chi, Serena. Uh, let me open up the article and see. Quan Chi, Serena, Ashra, and Kai. Or Ki, I guess. It's like, okay. Cool. They're all fucking humans. They all just look like people, right? Uh, dragons, that's like Onaga, and, well, that's Dr- Onaga, and then it's also like, uh, ah, crap, what were their names? Damn it, it's gonna make me open the link. Orin and Karo, which were the dragons that woke up the main characters, Taven and Dagon, in Mortal Kombat Armageddon. And I guess Liu Kang's also partially dragon, or maybe that's just cheat. You know, they never really explain the whole him turning into a dragon thing. Who cares? Adenians, you know, Katana, Melina... Half million, at least. Jade. Again, just funky-looking humans. Actually, not even funky-looking, just totally normal humans. Elder gods, big humans. Elementals, just the assholes that uh, Sub-Zero kills in in the Mythologies game, you know? And Nenra, which is... Again, that's not, that's not really a fucking race. It's one goddamn guy. And Nenra are creatures of smoke and vapor who possess a shapeless form. So they're the midichlorians, got it. Genetic experiment, such as Molina. You know? Although although I, I feel like if we're talking about all this shit, like, you know, so I don't like you have an artificial construct and you also have a genetic experiment. I like just put Molina under artificial construct. Then you have the gods, who are 
like Fujin, uh, gods are the same as the other gods, only less powerful. Raiden is the god of thunder. Fujin is the god of wind. Then there's water god, earth god, fire god. Those losers, right? So yeah, El- Raiden's not an elder god. Raiden is a regular god, which good for them, right? And again, just big humans. Half demi, half god slash demigods. Who does this include? I wonder. Argus, Taven, Dagon, and Rain. All oh, right, Rain's a demigod. I kind of forgot about that. But again, funky looking humans. Hellspawn being fucking scorpion, and I guess spawn now, right? You got humans, obviously. Immortals, which... That's not even a race. That's not even a fucking race. They're a band that made the theme song. The Chitin, we talked about them. The Magnetors. Also known as the Satyrs. Naknata, talked about them. Oni, talked about them. The Oshtek, which are just fucking funky-looking humans. Which... I would like you all to agree with me or disagree with me here. Were the Oshtek originally intended to just be green in the comics and then they changed their mind to make them so it's body paint in the games? Because I feel like in the comics, maybe I'm remembering the comics wrong, but I feel like in the comics, Kotal was always, always, always green, right? Like, he, the freaking little baby tiny Kotal popping out of his mama was green. And then in the game, in MKX, they were like, eh, never mind, it's body paint. Right? Because honestly, after reading the comics and going through the comics and then playing the game, I was under the impression that hit, that the, uh, just his normal tan, dark brown skin, either that was like a disguise, like he either enchanted himself or fucking painted over his green skin. Or it was just kind of like a non-canon costume, you know, where it's like, okay, you can put this on, but it doesn't really count, quote-unquote. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just remember it wrong, but in the original MKX comics, did they intend for Kotal Khan and Miyashchek to just fucking be green people? I'm just curious. But because I'm pretty sure that in the comics, they were originally supposed to just be green, and as of MKX, they were like, eh, never mind. Outworlder. Just fucking humans, like Bo Raicho. And Lee May and Reiko and all those guys. Saurians. We talked about them. Those are the reptiles. Sadian. They're the native inhabitants of Sado, known as the Order Realm. Funky looking humans. Shokan. We talked about them. The coolest ones. Tarkatan. One of my favorite ones. Titans. Being Chronica. You know? Is it, yeah. Well, I guess it's Titan singular. So, yeah, it's Titan. So, just for Chronica. And I don't think there's any uh, attacking a titan. Oh, there are multiple titans. And then, of course, there's who else? But the vampires! Known as, you know, Natara. Known as Natara, whatever. Again, funky looking human, but with wings. Which I still think that she should, or maybe I even should. I think that she really could make a comeback in Mortal Kombat 12. Even if they didn't take my amazing idea, which I think was fantastic, by the way. Uh, even if they don't take my amazing idea, I feel like I feel like Natara is not a dead in the water idea like fucking Sue Howe, you know. I think you can do something with her. Even I know we have Scarlet who's kinda like a vamp uh, not vampire. Yeah, a vampire. She's she's kinda like a vampire. You there's enough of a difference where you could get away with it, you know? Uh next is Wraith. Wraith or Spectre, the most uh, if you if you can probably take a guess, the top rates, the best known rates are Scorpion and do, 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 Noob Cybot. You didn't even think about him as being a wraith, did you? But yeah, that's exactly what he is. He was fucking dead, killed, got imbued with magic, came back to life. Makes sense. And he was killed by another wraith, so that makes sense. And, of course, everybody's fucking favorite race in all of Mortal Kombat, the zombie. Which is just a dead person. You know what I just realized? They made... They wrote down... Okay, you know what? This article's dumb. MortalCombat.Fandom.com Wiki. I'm calling you out right now. You made Zombie its own race. 
but you didn't make Revenant its own race? You made cyborgs their own race. But cyborgs are just humans that got shit stapled on them. You separated minotaurs and centaurs, even though they're literally the same people. It's just, that, That's like if fucking... I was a normal human, and then you stabbed up my eyes. Like, well, now you are a cyclops. You're no longer human. It's like, no. Like, I get you were kind of going to be as thorough as possible, but I just realized they don't have Revenant on here. They have Zombie, which is just a human turning into something. You have Cyborg, which is just a human turning into something. You have uh, Genetic Experiments, which is... uh, I guess my bigger complaint there is genetic experience being different than artificial constructs? Because they're both a being that was created by someone from nothing. I guess, technically, genetic experiments are a little different because it was pulled from different DNA, whereas genetic... But still, they're both created in a lab to exist in a fully grown state. Ah, whatever. Alright, so and fuck it. We, got, we still got some time to kill because I, I like these things to be at least an hour. So let's go through the non-canon ones. These are the species that are considered not canon. These are the ones that do not count, according to this article at least. Which makes sense when I go through them. So the top one is the Amazon. And if you can probably guess that the Amazon is Princess Diana. Because she was in Mortal Kombat vs. DCU, right? Although I feel like Amazons would be like a fucking perfectly logical addition of Mortal Kombat. It's like, they're from the Amazonian realm, and they're just big, scary women with spears, right? Or whatever fuck, right? I feel That feels like just the concept of the Amazonians would fit perfectly into Mortal Kombat. Next up, Dream Demons. A.K.A. Freddy Krueger from Mortal Kombat 9. His little race got added in. Look at that. That makes sense, actually. Again, but I would just consider this whatever. Next the Koreans. Uh, Space known as Korean is an unnamed distant realm comprising primarily of Amazonian females that develop inside of hives. The species is rolled over Empress Kreia and Princess Vorpax. Oh, these are from Mortal Kombat Conquest. Right, duh. You ever see Mortal Kombat Conquest? Pretty good. Pretty decent. Not fantastic, but it's not bad. Uh, next, Kryptonian. Again, same thing, but it's Superman. The New God. Species only exists in DC Universe. The new gods are the beings of Apocalypse in New Genesis. They call themselves gods and live outside of normal time and space in a realm called the Fourth World. So yeah, it's just fucking, what's his name? So pretty much all, all the non-canon ones are guest characters. Xenomorph, Yajuta, which is the Predator. So yeah, I, I kind of expected them to be like, uh, well, because there was also one other one which I'm going to mention briefly in a future episode, that were the Elder Demons. Do you know what the Elder Demons were? The Elder Demons were a short-lived concept from, I believe it started in Mortal Kombat 4, where you had the Elder Gods, and then you had Gods, and then you're going to have the Elder Demons and Demons. Demons are still obviously around. The Elder Demons were going to be a race, a council, or whatever the fuck, of basically just the bizarro demon mirror version of the Elder Gods, where they're going to be the big, powerful race of demons who controlled all of demon land, right? And there was one named character that almost got into Mortal Kombat, and that is a demon by the name of Belloc. However, that is a topic for another time. So, that being said, thank you very much for tuning in to this edition of Enter the Nether Realm. I want you to go out there, subscribe to this show on wherever you're listening to it, and leave me a favorable review and or a like, because I would really appreciate that, and that would make me very, very happy. I would be a very happy little boy. And next week, we are going to be talking about something that I haven't covered yet, but I promised that I would, which is Injustice. Last week, I talked about Mortal Kombat 12. What could... You know, prediction, hopes, and fears. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Injustice 3. What it could be. So, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye bye
Enter. 